This is Georgia Bulldogs by the numbers. What happened in the SEC championship game? Does Georgia need to make some major adjustments moving forward? Is it all Stetson Bennett's fault? How much of it belongs to Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin? We'll discuss it all and what lies ahead for the dogs next on Bulldogs by the numbers. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. All right, let's dive right into the SEC Championship game. My son Jacob and I went to the game, and man, oh man, that first quarter, I, we had a whole lot of fun. You know, it's one of those where Alabama's kind of showed that, hey, we're still your daddy, Yeah, <laughs> Man, let me tell you, I've heard that so much this week as a Georgia fan from all of my uh, Alabama fan friends that are, uh, you know, just giving me a hard time, uh, which is fine. Look, I, I, I'm a big boy. I can take it. I, 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 I goof with them a little bit. I was like, I didn't take one snap. See, I'll come very at me all you want. <laughs> very, very true. And, you know, but it is what it is. Like, they've owned you. Yeah, they have. 100%. Much like, much like the uh, the Dodgers had owned the Braves forever. Until you beat them, they're kind of they're your daddy. Yeah, well, you lost the battle, but you still have the war ahead. If you can get by Michigan, you and we'll talk about this in a little bit, you'll have another crack at the University of Alabama. Now, if you lose there, holy smokes. You may never hear the end of it as a Georgia fan, but you know that's the uh, the the joys of college football. So let's start with Georgia's defense against Bama because you know the idea was Georgia was just going to shut down Bama in every way, shape, form, and fashion on the defensive side of the ball, and everything they did did not even get close to doing that. No, and I, I thought going into the game that Bama would get a lot of yards but I thought they'd get field goals and they just got big play touchdowns. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was a combination of a lot of things. It wasn't just one thing. It was the inability to pressure with four guys. And, and Bama was 100%. Like, you know, Kirby talked about, Hey, we're practicing to beat everybody. Well, you could definitively tell that Bama had been practicing for the last month to beat Georgia. Yeah. And they knew exactly what Georgia was going to do scheme-wise from a pass rush standpoint. Rarely, by the way, did Georgia just say, hey, we're going to put our four guys and just rush those four guys one-on-one on the guy in front of them. That rarely happened. And it's something that Georgia all year has gotten a lot of pressure with you know, wrapping the inside guy around, bringing the outside guy in, blitzing, cross, you know, kind of cross-dog blitzes with the backers, things like that. Bama was ready for all of it. Yeah, and, and, they, and they blocked insanely well. Yeah, and then when you combine that with the coverage bust that they had on the back end, it led to explosive plays and a lot of yards for Alabama. Boy, did it ever! I mean, it looked like their wide receivers were open more often than they weren't, and uh, and when they and even when they weren't open, Bryce Young was able to make plays with his legs and then get the ball to a wide receiver or get the ball to somebody, even with that little shovel pass that he did. Yes, he and. 
he was the best player in the field. He was the best player on the field by far. Like, and, and that's one of the things that we all, I think you and I talked about that last week where that guy, him, and then the two receivers, they could just, just be better than you. Yeah. And, and they were and when you combine your own mistakes with those three guys being really, really good, uh, that, you know, that's what it led to. But the, you know, because of that, because of how, how the game went, you couldn't play how you wanted to play. You being Georgia, you know, your style and, you know, hey, we're going to mix, you know, run and pass, have a be able to run play action. I think Stetson only had nine play action dropbacks out of his 40, uh, 40 something, you know, like 50 dropbacks that he had. Only nine were play action. So it quickly turned into, and I thought, I thought even a little quicker than it needed to be, turned into a just straight dropback game uh, for Stetson. Yeah. Um, a lot of people blaming everything on Stetson. We'll get to that, too, because I do not believe it was Stetson's fault the entire time. I think Coach Smart, Monken, I think everybody got out-schemed and out-coached by the greatest of all time and Nick Saban. But um, I want to talk about the defense a little bit more and the fact that they seem to figure it out. Because they only gave up 10 points in the second half of the game. After Alabama got out to a big lead, it, it was only it was only, they only gave up a little more. And and that was something that I feel like if the offense had been even decent, then it could have been a much closer game than it was. I'm not saying they would have won, but at least the defense did figure it out. Well, the first the first intercept Stetson's first interception, that was the one that was just kind of backbreaking because Bama, you know, there's there's two sort of backbreaking plays to me. That was one because like you said, the defense figured out over time, oh, hey, maybe we should do what LSU did and just bring the house and play man-to-man press coverage, and they won't be able to do what they normally do. That kind of worked as the game went along a little more so. but And then also Mechie being out. Like, that was humongous. And that's humongous moving forward, uh, his injury. But, you know, at that point in the game, you can't now play how you want to play. And the other play... The big, the, the absolute biggest play of the game to me was when Bryce Young, right before the half, two different two different plays on the ha- the drive before the half that Alabama scored. One was third and ten that they completed to Mechie right along Alabama's sideline, where he was literally standing, you know, fifteen. There was no one within fifteen yards of him, and then he runs up the sideline for about twenty. That was on third and ten. Like you stop them right there, you get the ball, you go do something with it. You know, maybe you're up twenty seventeen and a half. But further along in that drive, when Bryce Young scrambled and then Devontae Wyatt chased him down from the backside and knocked the ball out, and you don't get on that ball. Yeah. Like Nolan Smith was trailing yeah. and he tried to pick he it up. Pick he didn't dive on it. Yep. Um, that Like that play. And uh, one of the PFF guys, when I discussed that play on Twitter a little earlier in the week, said that, you know, if Georgia gets that fumble, their win probably, you know, Alabama's win probability at that time was 71%. If Georgia gets that fumble, it goes back to 51%. So basically you have a coin flip game. You go into the half at 17-17 probably at best, and you can still play your style for the most part the rest of the game, and now that you and they don't have, you know, Mechie. So, like, because that was actually the play that he got hurt on was that play. Uh, so those two plays where it just – and it's one of those things where you have one of those games where – Nothing goes what you think how it's gonna how you think it's gonna go. You don't play how you think you're gonna play. 
and it just snowballed effect. Yeah, it felt like classic let me down Georgia fan. That's what it felt like. It did. I mean, it really did. I mean, and, and being in the state and being and seeing the energy in the players, the energy on the sideline, you could see that too. Yeah. Where they were kind of like, you know, oh, here we go again. Uh, and that energy, unfortunately, kind of took over. Yeah, it certainly did. All right. So um, there was one more thing I wanted to ask about. Uh, I feel like I heard an Alabama coach after the game in the postgame press conference talk about uh, Georgia not being able to play east to west when on the defensive side of the ball. They can go north and south, but they can't go east to west. I mean, there's there's some somewhat legitimacy to that. I think their linebackers are as fast as any in the country. But they're, you know, it's one of those things where, at the, what do you think in the, beginning of the, you know, in the beginning of the year? It's like, hey, is this secondary going to be okay? Hey, are we going to, you know, who's going to step up at certain positions within the secondary? And then especially once, now granted the season got rolling and you played really well, you know, but like Tyke Smith's injury becomes ginormous right now because he would have been that cover guy in the slot. You know, so it, Adam it, those were issues. And the, and the defensive line, you know, Roman Harper uh, from the SEC Network, he got a lot of flack for saying that, you know, not really any of the pass rush. He didn't think Georgia's pass rush was elite. And, uh, he, you know, individually, specifically once you take away Adam Anderson, I think that's right. Jalen Carter and Devontae White are your two best pure pass rushers, and they play along the interior. You don't really have those edge guys that are just going to go like Aiden Hutchinson, Mike Will Anderson, and just go win on the edge. So what did they what have they done all season? They've created the pressure through very smart blitzing, through – uh, like we talked about a little earlier, the wrapping of the, the, you know, a lot of twists and stunts and things like that. And Alabama was just ready for him. And once you blocked, like Bryce Young, when he, when he wasn't blitzed or when he, you know, when he wasn't blitzed, 17 of 23, 308 yards, three touchdowns. When he was blitzed, eight of 20 for 104 yards, no touchdowns. Wow. So if you didn't get to him, he's just that good. They learned like, nothing from Auburn. Uh, well, so the the interesting thing with Auburn was that Auburn really got a lot of their pressure with just four guys, and just their four guys being better than Alabama's offensive linemen. Now, two things change from that from game to game. One, the or, well, two players actually. The right tackle in the center who played against Auburn right didn't play against Georgia. Like they they went back to some other guys that had, had played and like that. I think that plus the practice and the focus they had on the, the type of rush. Like I, I was, I think Kirby actually said it in the post game about simplifying some of the things that they want to do defensively. And, you know, that, that to me is a very key comment for how you might play them again. If you happen to match up with them getting a national championship where, Hey, we might just straight rush four guys as opposed to running twists and stunts on, or, you know, on everything I'm like, Hey, go beat your guy in front of you. Or you and, and then also combine that with more man-to-man defense because what's the simplest thing you can do on defense? Play man-to-man. You got that guy. That's your guy and only your guy. You do that with a couple safeties, safeties over the top. Everybody else is uh, assigned to getting after the quarterback, and you go play. Yeah, yeah. Goodness gracious. All right, uh, we'll get to uh, is it all Stetson Bennett's fault? Because that was a uh, thing that I heard from my son as we watched the game and every other Georgia fan – why is JT Daniels not in? Why are they not bringing it? It's all Stetson Bennett's fault, and I disagree with that, man. I don't think it is all Stetson Bennett's fault. I'm not even sure if it's even mostly Stetson Bennett's fault. 
No, I, I, I tend to agree. The biggest thing with Stetson in this game, I thought he played solid. Like he played well enough to win the game. If if the game was a you know tied one score game, close, you know, you know tied a one score game later, because once they just got, and I think that the other part of that is philosophical. But once they got into like a true drop back game where they're putting four and five wide receivers out in formation, going empty or going four receivers out there, outside of Bowers, who really scares you? Uh, on George's offense, on 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 the edges, Pickens came back. Yeah, made a great play. Yeah, early played, in the game. Yeah, but he played twenty snaps. He only got one other target. Uh, you know, Darnell Washington, more big guy than just hey, we need to make sure we account for him with you know two different guys. Like you look at the rest of it, Burton, great. Burton's a very good receiver, but does he scare you to the point where you know you as a defense have to truly account for that, Lad? Lad to me is probably the one that does just because of his speed, a little more so. But outside of that, you just, I, I don't like some of those personnel packages they were putting on the field. I'm like, okay, where is Stetson going to go with the ball if he doesn't just throw it up to Bowers and hope Bowers can make a play? Which is ultimately because, what happened a bunch. Which happened towards the end because they realized, I think they realized, oh, crud, this is really our only shot here uh, because of the way the game is going and the way they're playing. And that's, that, that that to me, so just Stetson specifically, his big thing was, all right, was he pressured or was, was he not? If he was clean, not pressured, 28 of 38, 329, three TDs, one pick. And the one pick was the pick six. Uh, when he was pressured, one of 10 for 11 yards and one interception. Like, that's that's the name of the game. And you have to limit those mistakes, and we constantly talked about that, that if he blended the game manager role with the gunslinger role, that he was good enough to you know sort of be the reason they win a national championship. But he went a little more gunslinger in this game, and it, like for example, you know, there were two or three instances where I mean, I, based on where I was sitting, they were coming at me on the side, and I'm like, run, run. Yeah, there and he was tries to throw the ball. Oh, I know. Like, like it's, and I think it was uh, maybe it was on the drive. They're the, the first drive of the third quarter that I think was his uh, the first interception. He tried to throw one down the sideline. I think it was that one. Tried to throw one down the sideline uh, when he broke contain. And if he goes and runs, he goes and gets eight yards. Right. And yeah. it was. And I think it was. And, and that was first or second down. Right. And like any time that like if I were coaching him, I'd be like, all right, dude, unless someone is wide the freak open. And you get you break contain like that, go get us eight yards. Yeah, yeah. Because then we can play the style that we want to play. We can right. dictate. Yeah. Run pass being both an option. Yeah, yeah. I know you're exactly right. All right. So um, now to coaches. Kirby got out coached. Monken got out schemed. Maybe just the whole coaching staff got out coached, out schemed, out played. It 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 looks like they were not prepared at all for what Alabama had been preparing for them. Uh, yeah, and when you have that many coverage busts, now the the interesting the interesting thing I always I always think to that is, you know, for example, there was a third and two, which by the way, a lot of their big plays were on third down. The uh, the James the first touchdown of the game, the Jameson Williams long touchdown, that was third down. Yep, I remember. Uh, the the like the Mechie play that we talked about a little earlier, the broken coverage, that was third down. Uh, there was another third down on, when they had them backed up. It, 
you know, inside their 10 where they blitz and they get an unblocked blitzer, but scene and Ringo had miscommunication and those two guys went after one and tight end Billingsley was left wide open. So it's one of those things where I, I, I realized the whole, everybody wants to point to the coaching, but sometimes it's like, Hey, maybe the coaches went over that like 15 times in practice that week. And then someone just literally screwed us up, screws it up in the game and didn't execute. And you saw, right. cause you and I were texting back and forth. You saw uh, uh, like Nolan Smith getting after a bunch of guys. Yeah. I mean, they did, they did some, some good things. Like there were good plays made. Jordan Davis made a couple of stops in the run game. Uh, Devontae Wyatt made some, you know, tackles for loss and, and stops in the run game. Uh, Ringo made, you know, made some decent plays on the ball. DK made a, you know, a play on the ball. Pool one time made a play on the ball, but it was just the total, you know, it was just, that was it. It was occasionally not consistently. Well, but that's what I was saying. I meant getting after his own guys. For, oh, not, for, yes. not, for not being where they needed to be. No, that that definitively happened. Uh, like on that uh, play to, to Mechie on third down, I, I specifically saw and watched, and it's on the film too, if you, you get back and look at that, N'Kobe Dean was ripping Channing Tindle a new one. And he was like, because if you go back and look, they both went to the same uh, outside, tried to go outside on a rush, and the, Tindall had the inside lane. And the Kobe's like pointing at him, telling him, "Hey, you're inside. Go inside." That kind of thing. So you know, there's there was a, a little bit of that, and that's what. Hey, when you're getting beat, yeah, frustration a sets bit. in. Yeah. yeah, you know that kind of that kind of stuff happens, and and they obviously it was a situation that they had yet to handle this year. Oh, yeah, no and, doubt about it. Yeah. Is it a wake up call? Is it um, what, what do you see moving forward with the dogs uh, versus? Uh, Michigan, and then if they get by Michigan to play Bama again, like where is your head at? Because I I don't know where my head's at to be honest with you as a George fan. Well, the the thing with the Michigan game is you're going to have to win that game. They're not just going to hand it, it over to you. to you, of course, because they play really good defense too. You, know, you think, hey, it's a much better matchup, and it is. It 100 percent is. Michigan's not going to spread it around. They don't have the threat. They don't have Williams and Mechie. They don't have the threats on the outside that scare you. They're going to try to play the run, you know, try to do the running game. They don't use the quarterback in the running game. So, like, the things that you would think, oh, that scare you a little bit uh, as, a, as a coach or as a, you know, project, projecting a game, there's not a lot of things that, quote, scare you outside of their two pass rushers, Hutchinson and uh, the O-word. I, I can't, don't know how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I know exactly. The other guy you're talking about. Uh, but he's the other guy, and he's really good. Uh but, you know, still yet, you're going to have to play. And it might be one of those things where you went, this is a, you know, much like the Clemson game. It's a 17 to 10 kind of game because both defenses play well and both defenses are kind of stopped to geared towards stopping what, what it is that you do. So you're going to have to block better. Uh, Michigan's obviously going to try to take, take advantage of some of the things that, uh, that Alabama did to their defense. But, you know, do they have the players that can then take advantage of it? But I do think they find a way to get past that game. Uh, and the other, and then when you get, if you get the rematch, it's your your players are your players, and it's deciding from a schematic standpoint. Because if you want to be, if you want to go play a ton of man, well, that's what you got to do. You got to put your best athletes on the field, and that was that was the thing where against that in that game where the defense got a little tired 
and you could see the defensive line got tired. Yep. And I could see them, you know, finding time for young guys that are just fast young guys, like a Xavier Sori, uh, a Smile Munden, that are sort of, and then and then you go put Quay, you know, put like three, you know, four or five linebackers in the game at a time, and less than go lighter on the D line, be like, okay, Alabama, if it's third and seven, we're just putting our best athletes on the field. We're gonna come. We're gonna put all six of them on the line of scrimmage, and you just got to figure out which ones coming and try to block them and you know you go win with just try to have the better athletes because you had chances to get bryce down you just didn't take advantage of them i mean that was the first time i think all year they haven't been sacked so that there's some interesting things that could happen there once they now know the matchup once they have the tape hey can we put this guy this young guy that's maybe a better athlete than our more experienced player in a certain spot in certain positions and he only has one job, you know, they play this guy man to man or something like that. Yeah. I, I don't get a lot of uh, confidence when I hear you talk about the, the rematch. Uh, I, no, I, I tend to actually think it's, it's a good thing. If, you know, if it happens because, because of one reason, their second, their third, second or third best player got hurt. Yeah. Well, not right, 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 right. Like, you know, now you, now, if, now granted, Alabama now has you know three weeks to get somebody up to speed and and really figure out their offense and possibly even change a little bit of their offensive identity. Brian Robinson can get get healthy at the running back position. You know, there's all sorts of things that happen because of that. But that's like the their game against Cincinnati for them very intriguing because Cincinnati has the dudes in the secondary to go cover people. Mm-hmm. You know, they have one of the best corner duos in the country. And like Sauce Gardner, I don't think is allowed a touchdown in his career. Yeah, that's right. It's so they have guys on the edge, and they have NFL guys on offense. I don't think they'll be able to do much offensively, but can they play a game much like LSU played, where they just bring the house, go cover, and keep the game close, and go make a play when they need to? But they also have one thing that uh, that you know traditionally hurts Nick Saban defenses, and that's a mobile and that's a true running quarterback. And, and Desmond Ritter. So, I granted the the spread's going to be probably as big as any in the bowl, in any of the bowl games. Yeah, it's uh, already it's, thirteen and a half to fourteen. Yes, depending on where you look. But that game to me, and and it could get sideways. You know, you could just Alabama just be way more physically dominant, uh, and they can't match that level of physical dominance. But there are some things there that make that interesting. But I do think we're going to get the rematch, and no Mechie. That's a big deal. Having tape now. This is by the way. This is the first time that. Kirby will have played Bama twice in one season. Like every every other time, it's just been once. You know, so now you actually have tape in that game, uh, your own game against that. Uh, and then I think they can do some things differently offensively in the next, you know, the three or four weeks from now, which, by the way, you think that's like, what, four weeks or even more so than till the championship game. George Pickens should be good to go by then. Like, if he's good enough to play 20 snaps this past weekend, he should be able to go play 40 snaps uh, in, in the championship game if that if we get to that. And you need him in a big, big way. Yeah, no doubt about it. We, we need all kinds of things. I got to tell you, man, I'm back to uh, my old self. Expect the worst, hope for the best. <laughs> I mean, it really was. It really, really was. And it's it. It was fun while it lasted. It was, yeah, your, 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 your ride of confidence was, was fun 
uh, while it lasted. But, you know, I, the big thing for me with this game is, and just like any, I think you get to as a tr- traditional Georgia fan and, you know, been around, when there was an opportunity to make a humongous play, they made it, you did. Yeah, that's exactly right. 100% correct. And uh, Nick Saban always, always is going to have an upper hand just because he is the greatest coach of all time. Greatest college coach of all a, time. There, There's a reason he is that. There's a reason that these guys from his staff, like I think I saw something where, you know, you've got Napier, Mel Tucker, Kiffin, and Kirby that are head co- now head coaches off of their, their 2015 staff. Like just ridiculous amounts of uh, really good coaches come from come from him. And there's a reason, and there's a reason he's the best at what he does. And that that comment he made after the game was absolutely hilarious. It was on point with the rat poison and calling it yummy. Yeah, like that was that was phenomenal. It was a great job by him. Uh, but for Georgia to you know, and all right, do you play a different QB? That's going to be yeah, the, that's debate. the final question right there. I don't care. I honestly don't care who you play. For me. It's if you play Stetson and win, great. You play JT and win, great. You play JT and he plays great and you lose. No matter what you do, you have to meet like from a legacy standpoint, from a just the the perception, all those kind of things. Now's the time. Like you've you've played sort of the what you know, from a recruiting perspective and what people deem as the less talented guy. I don't know that that's actually the case, by the way. Nor do I. Yeah, because when I don't, you know, you only see them in games. And you think, all right, so there's certain things that JT does and there's certain things that Stetson does a little differently, and that, that's fine. But, you know, I just – you need to be right, no matter what you do. Yeah. And you've yeah, got, you you've got right. three weeks to figure out what is be right. right. Because to me, like, the only way, you know, this offensive issue – and this inability to, one, slow down elite offenses, and two, keep up with them and score with them. It's nothing more. It, it's not player change. It's like the Q, the quarterback change is not going to make that difference. What that difference needs to be made the instant the game, the season ends, where philosophically, hey, we're going to be a team that puts the ball in the air. 35 plus times a game because we know that that's what we're going to have to do all season. And at the, and in the biggest moments, we know we're going to have to put it in the air 35 times, like that kind of stuff. You have to do that. And that's a, that's a philosophy. That's a, that's a culture. That's an attitude. That's a thing that you develop over time as opposed to just making a player change. And then it all of a sudden being, being the issue because the big thing like you when you watch that game and you're, when you're especially when you're there live was looking at Jamison Williams every time that dude's on the field you're like crap that guy can score a touchdown on this play yep. mm-hmm. like is, are we are we double covering that guy oh yeah. are we getting that guy because yeah. if not they're gonna they're gonna attack with that guy and that's they constantly attack that guy so Jamison Williams played 71 of 73 possible plays which means your biggest threat to score was on the field for almost every single play that you were on offense. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The previous week when Williams got the targeting and left the Auburn game, Mechie was on the field for 92 of the 93 plays. 
Like Georgia doesn't do that. They rotate, you know, they, they, all these packages and like, they'll bring in certain personnel groups. And I'm like, yep, here's a run. Yeah. Does that need to change sooner rather than later? I think so. Yes. Now Bowers played a lot of the Bowers was on the field for 65 of 82, uh, 82 offensive snaps. That's great. That's fine. He needs a breather every now and then, especially when he has to go try to be superhuman and get jump balls all the time. But you moving forward. Like if you have that guy like Pickens this year, that dude needs to play 80 plus percent of the snaps. Cause it's not so much the, the giving them the ball. It's the threat of getting them the ball. Right. Yeah. Like that, that's yep. why I always thought Arian Smith could be the guy that, you know, kind of replaced George Pickens in a way because of the threat of mm-hmm. the deep ball. Yep. So you always had to account for that threat. Right. And you could tell Alabama defensively, they knew in certain situations there were threats down the field that they did not have to pay attention any bit to. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's coaching. Yep. There you go, man. A uh, The most intense Bulldogs by the numbers I think we've ever done, man. The intensity <laughs> level is through the roof. Goodness yes. gracious. Well, uh, hopefully. Because we're, we're, we're passionate about this. Yeah, man. It, uh, it It's like, goodness gracious, what in the world is happening? And um, I, I feel like Chicken Little. The sky is falling. Well, and this past weekend was an appropriate time or I realized, Oh, this is why it's called the dog vent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because there was a lot I can of venting only uh, this imagine. past weekend. Yeah. I, I can only imagine from fire Kirby to fire Stetson to fire Munkin to fire everybody. I can only imagine uh, that just, or just, you know, play JT. Like that's, yeah, that's right, right, right. Well, that's if, what I mean by fire Stetson. If, if you want to, uh, if you want to, uh, start some sort of massive argument on any form of message board or social media tell say hey Stetson's the man yeah right like, well, I got into that gets people fired up like no kidding I I even I stood my ground all this week so far the so far this week and said it ain't Stetson's fault y'all it ain't all Stetson's fault and um no yeah 100% so. no yeah. he played like I said he played well outside of the the one bat and the pick six you know whatever that that's at that point you're down uh you're down two scores it's getting later in the game and you're just trying to go make a play uh you know so i i don't really i, I look at that okay fine whatever it's at that point it's it's a moot point because you've already lost your opportunities the first interception was the one that i i think was i didn't like uh but outside of that like you know and there was one early in the, i think maybe the first drive of the game that could have been intercepted and yes. you know, would have been a pick six. Yeah, it was like second play of the uh, game or something. Yeah, so you know, and he just and that's what he's going to do. By the way, he's going to make two to three throws a game where you're just like, "Ooh, what are we doing there?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, other people might do the same, but he played well enough to win. You think about like I, I tweeted this earlier this week too. Jake Fromm's about to start his first yeah, professional for football game. He had 25 completions for like a little over 300 yards and three touchdowns in an SEC championship against Alabama. Stetson just had almost 30 completions, like 340 yards and three touchdowns in an SEC championship game against Alabama. And you lost both like of you, them. And you, and you lost both of them. You know, Stetson had the two turnovers. Fromm didn't, I don't think, in that game. Yeah, still. But, but there were same. plays that he could have made in that game that he didn't. There were plays that Stetson could have made in the game that he didn't. And that's when you're playing against a guy who, by the way, in terms of PFF college grading, is the highest graded underclassman quarterback 
in the eight years that we've been doing college grades. Wow. Like wow, he's, Bruce. he's that good. Yeah. And that's, what's amazing about him. And like, I, and I saw him pregame and I'm like, good gosh, that dude needs a sandwich. Yeah. Right. Like, and then he's like Trayvon Walker tries to get him one play. The one where he flipped it back to Robinson Walker goes at dies after him and just slides right off the kid. Yeah. I mean, it's like he had a thing of Crisco on his pants yeah. or something, but yeah. You know, he was just that good, and yeah. sometimes that guy's just better. Yeah, well, they definitely were uh, this past Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. All right, a really, really final question. Who is the uh, starting quarterback versus Michigan on New Year's Day in your best guess? New Year's Eve. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, New, New Year's, Year's Eve. Yeah, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. But, no, I think it's Stetson. I do, too. I do, too. Do you think JT Daniels is still hurt? I honestly don't know what to think. I don't either. I don't either. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I, who knows? One day that story. One day the full story will get told. And that because it, it, the interesting thing about it is, it would be different if. And and the thing that makes you like, okay, well, what's what's going on here? That it would be different if those two were competing for the job all camp, all off season. And you said all off season, Hey, we're going to play the best guy. We're going to play the best guy. But no, what did Kirby do this year that he, for the first time he'd ever done? Hey, JT's our quarterback. JT's our guy. And then all of a sudden he's not. Yeah. So, which was injury no. related. And it was, and it was, but then at, at a certain, and, and I, th- and I think probably that's what his thing is, is at a certain point, it's just like, all right, this I'm riding with this guy. He's uh-huh. won me over, and, and you know that's and that's well, it, it people, might it might be by the way as simple as that. Yeah, this well, is my guy. It, it it could be definitely, but uh, but I think he's already done that before. He did that with uh, Fromm and Fields. I mean, he went with his guy. So I don't think that's yeah. out of character necessarily. It just leads and me I to think, believe that that something still isn't exactly right about JT Daniels. I could be completely wrong, but just something tells me there's something there. Yeah. I mean, think about it at Georgia Tech as we wrap up. Think about it at Georgia Tech. He came in the game. He did get in the game, but he was a couple handoffs, and that was it. And then Beck was in. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. There's just something that doesn't sit right with me exactly. This is Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Doug Coward, along with Brent Rollins from UGASports.com and Pro Football Focus College. You can subscribe to either one. Get great grades from Pro Football Focus College for all the uh, Georgia Bulldogs and all the players and recruits. And then you can be the most informed Georgia fan that exists on planet Earth if you're a subscriber to UGASports.com. All the recruiting, all the dog vent, all the discussion, all the breakdown, all the film, and uh, all the uh, the articles that you want to read about Georgia, about uh, college football in general, and how Georgia fits into it. It's $99 a year or about nine ninety nine a month. That's at UGASports.com. Brent, man, I appreciate it. It's always fun to talk yes. to you. Always fun, and you know, the world is still not ending. No, the sun I know. came up today. I know. I know. I know. Maybe I know. a little bit, not mm. not as much as it could. It's have. very gray. It's been very gray every day since. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, but you know the beautiful part about it is, if hey, you and I were talking on August twentieth, and we're like, hey, someone tells us Georgia's going to be twelve and one and in the playoff. Yeah, everybody's thrilled. Yeah, everybody's like, thrilled. Absolutely. Like, let's go. Let's, let's go. go. Go time. Go. Here yes, we go. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. But it just feels a little different. It does feel different in the moment, man. It, it's it's still good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it's not good. 
But it's great to have the opportunity, right? It's better than not having the opportunity. But yep. uh, but man, you want to see them pull it off. It's it's time for them to pull it off. It's time for them to get it done. Yeah, maybe and maybe in the end, uh, my 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 neighbor and buddy, Mister Pollock, will be right with his preseason prediction, which is uh, when he said that Alabama would beat Georgia in the SEC championship, but Georgia would get him in the natty and and win it all. That's right. And uh, you know who said that recently as well, Lee Corso. And maybe he's talked to Pollock. I mean, I mean, obviously they work together, so I don't know, but. Yeah, the Corso. Did you see the video of him saying the same thing? I did not. Yeah, I, I, did not I just that, but no. found it randomly on Twitter, and it was uh, like a super extreme close up. Whoever's shooting it, and Corso was kind of whispering it, and he was like, "Yeah, I think it's going to be because uh, he picked Alabama on game day. He was like, I think it's going to be Georgia. They're going to lose in the championship game, and then Georgia national champion. We'll see. Boy, I that would say. that be would that be a sweet cherry on top? Yes, it would be. Uh, yes, it would be, and it would be the one that matters. Much like in 2017, you know, Alabama didn't you know didn't even play in the SEC championship, but still got the uh, the ring in the end. But I will say, I feel a lot better about it knowing that that Mechie's not going to be playing. There you go. This is Bulldogs by the Numbers, and we appreciate you spending time with us. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, share with any other George Bulldog fan that might get a little entertainment and um, might be mad enough to spit nails when they're done listening. <laughs> hopefully it's entertainment yeah definitely that but uh, but it's enough to get you fired up man i'm telling you it has been an intense work week over at dickie broadcasting and uh the I fan bet. and extra 106.3 man because there's some diehard georgia people in that building the warm air the sounds of baseball it's got you thinking about hitting the road and no matter where your adventures take you subaru of gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.